It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today on the podcast, I am so excited to have from Better Screen Time, my friend Andrea. So Andrea Davis is a former secondary ed teacher turned screen time navigator. She's the founder of Better Screen Time, where she shares family tested ideas from the tech trenches as a mom of five. She's on a mission to help parents worry less about tech and connect more with their kids. And can't we all use that? I for sure want to be able to connect more with my kids and rip that dang computer away or their phones. She and her husband, Tyler, live in beautiful Hood River, Oregon, where they love spending time outdoors as a family. Andrea, welcome to Doing Good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Carmen. I'm super excited to be here with you. So let's just jump right in. Tell me about how Better Screen Time was formed. You have five kids. Did this kind of develop after you started, your kids started getting older and you were realizing, how am I going to raise kids in this crazy tech world? Or was this an idea you had before you were married and had kids? No, this is definitely born out of necessity (laughs) with my own kids. When people ask me, how did Better Screen Time start? I think it really did start at the beginning of my parenthood journey as far as just kind of the mentality of trying to be intentional with tech with our kids. So when we were first married and our oldest was around two, we were at Purdue. My husband was working on his PhD and I had a good friend there who was an amazing reader. She just, she read everything. I love to read, but she kind of took it to a whole nother level. And I asked her one day, I just said, what did your parents do to instill this love of reading for you? And she was like, oh, we didn't have a TV growing up. And I just was curious. It made me curious. I went home and I told Tyler, I'm like, what would you think if we just put the TV in a closet and we just use it like an appliance? So it's not like we're completely getting rid of it, but we just pull it out when we want to use it. And for us, that was the Olympics and like family movie night. <laughs> so the okay. Olympics. The TV would sit out for like, you know, weeks and that was just like, yeah, we're watching the Olympics and we pull it out for family, family, like movie night. And we have stuck with that ever since, which is so bizarre because now my oldest is almost 17. (laughs) So we still, in fact, right now, we had a house fire about a year and a half ago. And so it was funny after it happened, the, the guys who were coming in to check out the house. He was like, do you know that your TV was in a closet? And I said, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, everywhere. That's yeah, intentional. It's funny. We, at that point, just got a projector and a screen. So right now we don't even have a TV, but it was kind of like the same idea where we just pull it out. So really, I think it started a long time ago. But then fast forward, like years later, when our oldest was about hit middle school. And we lived in Illinois at the time. We made a big move to Oregon. And it was unexpected. It was a really challenging time for our family. Where we live, it's the housing is very expensive. It's kind of like moving to Park City or somewhere like that, where it's Love just it. it's very pricey. But so we're a family of seven. We're having a hard time finding a place to live. And my friend or my oldest was in sixth grade and she had left all of her friends behind. And we handed over just a leftover smartphone that we had to her. And she's I think the typical oldest child where she's just kind of super responsible yep. and as an old soul, 
And so I think in my mind, I thought she can do this. Like this is a tool, right? Yes. She will know where to get off the bus in this place where she doesn't know anybody. And so she can stay connected with her old friends. But it didn't take long for me to realize that it was too much too soon, that we had made a huge mistake and that this little phone had so much power and so much access to the world that I really hadn't prepared her for. And so at that point, after, I don't know, probably six or seven months, we went back to a brick phone. And of course, my daughter was pretty upset and cried a lot of tears. Oh, we did too, because it's no fun as a parent to admit that you have made a mistake. Yeah. And, but on both sides, it was really hard, but it was the right thing to do. And so at that point, I just realized that even intentional parents had been thrown into this without a lot of preparation or help. And have training on it. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought, okay, where's the help? And I, I looked out there to see what was already available. And a lot of information was very fear-based. Like it was just like, I don't know. I would start to just feel panic when I read a lot of the information that was out there. And I think it's helpful to be aware, obviously, of what those dangers are. But I was like, where's the helper? Like, where's the person who can just yeah. guide me through this? And that was when I just really kind of felt that stirring in my heart. That was my calling. That was you. You're the helper. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. And that's how Better Screen Time was born. So did you... Did you set out to create your own program or did it start out as, oh, I'm going to share tips and things that I have learned to help parents with their kids? Or were you wanting to set out to create a training course for parents with kids with teens and smartphones? Yeah, I wasn't really sure what it was going to look like. But from the beginning, I was like, okay, this is going to be a business. Like, I'm going to take this seriously. So I did like I created my own website like the website we still use I made so it's not totally amazing but it's just like hey let's just get this out there awesome so really from the beginning I set out to create a business centered around this but okay I wasn't sure at that point what it was going to look like what was the response when you got the business put together and you started putting out your programs and you know you have awesome programs on your website. It's better screen time for those of you who are wondering what it is. And you have untangling teens and tech step-by-step program for parents who want to connect with their teens and create tech boundaries. This is something that I would really like to do now that I have a teen and he has, and he doesn't even have a smartphone. He has a gab phone, but even still just the texting, I'm like, you know, and he uses it as his alarm clock and same thing. I was like, that's totally fine. Like there's nothing you can do on that. And then I was realizing he's staying up to like 9 30, 10, texting one of his buddies, ridiculous things like spot the difference. And like a hundred pictures of a cat with one picture of a dog. And I'm like, you are staying up late. The most ridiculous things just because you can. So I'm like, no more phone, even gap, like no more at night. Like you have to use an old fashioned alarm clock. And yeah, we gave my son an old iPhone that has nothing on it. It's like completely stripped. It's only music. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize it was synced from iCloud to my phone. Oh, right. Well, his filters were on it, but mine, I just had never done that and checked. So he could access explicit music on iCloud. Which he, he didn't, but if he like typed in like songs about whatever, it could pull up all these explicit songs. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And was linked to all my text messaging. 
So all my texts that I send or that he reads, and uh, I'm not sending crazy texts, but okay, let me be honest. I will sometimes send a date night text to my husband. Hmm, Can't wait for tonight, (laughs) whatever. And this poor child is really, (laughs) okay, it's between mom and dad that we love each other. But still, I'm like, this is, I was so naive to think your phone's a brick, your phone's a gap, and still we have had problems dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot, there's a steep learning curve for parents for sure. So you have obviously your tech healthy family course, which is great. And I'm assuming that goes through all stages, like beginners that have little phones through stages. Yeah, that's really like I tell parents, they ask, you know, what ages is that course for creating a tech healthy family? And I really say like starting at age five, simply because usually that's when kids start school. And so even if your child doesn't have a device, sadly, even a lot of really younger kids are being handed devices. Uh, And so we have to prepare our kids. So even if we, because I think sometimes if we're, we tend to be more conservative, which is definitely how I was like as far as allowing my kids, obviously if we put a TV in a closet, kind of not allowing our kids stuff, sometimes we can naively think, oh, well, my kid doesn't need to know about pornography yet, or my child doesn't need to, I don't need to talk to them about cyberbullying, but we do because the rest of the world has access to this, even if you don't in your own home. Yep. And it does. And at school, they do. They have their tablets and they do. And my son was just given a Chromebook. Here you go, seventh grade. And they have to bring it every day. And yes, it has filters, but I, but it's not completely foolproof. Like, like they can still get on YouTube and do yeah. things. And some videos, even if they're not completely explicit, it's still like a Victoria's Secret ad or, you know, things like that, that you're like, this is not completely foolproof. Well, yeah. and my, so my boys love scratch. They love coding and they love doing scratch art, which mm-hmm. when I, I monitor them doing that, like while I'm cooking dinner, whenever. And I noticed the other day, my six-year-old was on scratch. And there's like a program that you could do other people's games. You can play their games that they've created. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is your name? And he types in Benson. Where are you from? Oh. In, How old are you? And I was like, no. Yeah. I, it's just so when I play the game, it says Benson from Lehigh jumps over the fence. Benson from Lehigh jumps. And I'm like, they do not need to know that. I said, this is how predators find out. How old are you? Where are you from? Where are you living? And they're like, mom, it's just kids doing it. And I'm like, any adult can pretend to be a kid. And I hadn't even thought of having that conversation with them yet about adults acting like kids and, and, you know, being a predator online. And that scared me so bad. Yeah, that exactly. It's such an innocent thing and even a great tool. And it's easy how it can sneak right in. I mean, obviously you did the right thing. Like you caught it and you had the conversation and sometimes that's the best way for our kids to learn. Yeah. I, I do definitely talk to parents. We have a discussion guide on Amazon as well called Creating a Tech Healthy Family. And it has 10 discussions to have with your kids. And one of them is about online safety. And we talk specifically about not sharing your personal information. And well, what is that? Okay. Yeah. Your name. Yeah. Your, and where you, and you can find that on, uh, is there a link from your website or is it just on Amazon? Either one. So if you go to our website, betterscreentime.com, it's right on the front page. You'll see it's kind of a teal cover, creating a tech healthy family. But you can also go to Amazon and just search it, creating a tech healthy family, Andrea Davis, and it will pop right up. But it's like a, a discussion guide. 
So it's really simple. And that was the other thing I found that parents, just a lot of parents aren't really going to read a two or 300 page book about yeah. screen time. I mean, some parents will, but at the end of the day, like we're all juggling so many different things. And so I thought, well, and what do you retain from that? Like sometimes you yeah. read it and then you're like, I can't even remember. It was so much information. Yeah. And what do I do with it? Yes. And, and that was, and so that's kind of where my teaching background comes in because I, I was a teacher before I stayed home with my kids. And so I thought, okay, how can we boil this down and just more like the how and take this information and then have a conversation with our kids. And that was the other thing that I felt was missing was I could see a lot of cell phone contracts and like parents wanted to know what's the best monitoring app. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there is a missing link in this yes. conversation. And that is involving our kids and getting buy-in and having the conversation with them and really teaching them. Because yes. if we just say, okay, here's a contract, sign it. And they'll be like, okay, I'll sign this so I can get my phone. Right. And it's just a big list of don'ts. Yes. You know, we're missing that, that opportunity to really teach our kids. Well, and it's not just about content and being safe, but even just the amount of time. And you notice that with putting your TV in the closet. So what would you say, is there a set healthy time per family or per child that you think, okay, an hour a day, this is an okay time because they are already on screens at school. And then sometimes they come home and and my oldest would be like, mom, sometimes I just want to do like I do at night, like dumb TV, like SpongeBob. I just want to watch something brainless to just decompress before I then get started with my homework again and do all that. But I'm like, oh, but you've already spent so much time with the screen. I hate to give you more screen time, but I understand that you need relaxing time and we do family movie nights every Friday night too but what would you say is a good amount of time for kids to spend on any kind of screen phone computer tv yeah well one one thing that's helpful that's been helpful for our family is one of the discussions in the book is actually called healthy recharging and we had a conversation as a family about what are some things that we like to do when we want to decompress or just de-stress and so we made a big list together and we even made like, here are things that we all like to do together and maybe here are some things that we like to do alone because some people in our family are definitely more introverted and they need to decompress by themselves. And so I think sometimes that ends up being a screen because it's an easy way to zone out and be like, oh, I can just be by myself. And so I think having that conversation with your kids ahead of time so that when they are feeling like that, you can even we even put our list on the fridge and just like, okay, go look at the list of things like reading a book or going on a bike ride or having a friend over or just go lay on your bed and listen to music even like just for the teenagers, just things like that. So that I think then they're mentally thinking that I'm not always just going to default to a screen. And obviously that's not bad. Like you said, once in a while, we do just want to unwind and watch something and it helps us to relax. But we don't want that to be the default every day. I definitely, I don't know if you've read the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits, but I talk a lot about habit formation and how that happens. So what happens is if we are consistently turning to a screen when we need to unwind, we're creating a habit loop for ourselves and yeah. for our kids. And then it almost comes a, becomes this reward. And so that's what we start to crave and that's how it becomes a habit. And so I think teaching that to our kids because they can learn that like, oh, this is how a habit loop is formed. 
how do we, how can we make this so that our habit loop is like, oh, I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to read a book or I'm going to go play with a friend, whatever it is. So that's more the norm. And then maybe we have an off day and we just sit down and we veg in front of the TV or whatever. Yeah. And that's not a problem. But then like specifically to answer your question about how much screen time is too much, it's interesting because the, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they're kind of the gold standard when it comes to talking about like how much time is okay. They used to have really strict like time limits. And now it's almost like they flipped where they're they're just saying, okay, your kids just need to have balance in their lives. Where are they getting enough physical activity? Are they getting enough rest? Are they like, is their nutrition in check? And so that's really what we talk a lot about in our family is having almost like sacred spaces and times where those screens aren't allowed. And that's like family dinner time or a time when maybe we're reading the scriptures together or, you know, we might have our device out to even read the scriptures off. So it's not like screen time, but we're not just like vegging out on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so thinking about that, like, are our kids getting enough physical activity or what about their social and emotional needs? That's something that's been a struggle for a lot of kids through the pandemic. And I know, especially in Oregon, you know, our kids were didn't go back to school until last March. So it wasn't really long yet about them having much interaction, but people have felt so lonely. And so like, you know, even maybe our introverts, if they just want to have a friend over or, yeah. <laughs> you know, not necessarily being a big group, but thinking about, have I had like that emotional connection with someone or with a parent? And I always tell that, I tell parents, reward your kids with your time, not screen time. And I think that can be hard when we're tired as parents. We're like, oh, I just want to go do something else. But honestly, like if I just tell my kids, hey, let's go jump on the tramp in 30 minutes. I have to get this thing done. They will almost always pick that. Oh, starting with me. Yeah. And I think parents think that they won't. But if you're consistent, even if you do give them some screen time, then make that time with you the reward. So that even if you're like, okay, yeah, you can go do scratch for 30 minutes or whatever. But when you're done, you know, let's set a timer. Then let's go run to the store and grab a soda or whatever is your thing if you're family. But I think then that's how we nurture those relationships and let it take precedence over screen time. I totally agree with you. And it's so interesting that you say that. I love that. I'm taking notes as you're writing, reward your kids with your time. Because they, it's even my older kids that I think they don't want to be with mom anymore. Mm-hmm. They do. And mm-hmm. last night after we did our little scripture study and then, and I was so tired, I, I'd been cleaning out all their summer clothes and looking at all their winter clothes and what do you, oh, everyone need? Oh, all day. And I'm like, I don't want to be up here anymore. And I just want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to read you a Halloween book. And it's so my 12 year old to my six year old all stayed in the loft and we read this book and I got done reading and nobody moved. They were all still staring at me. And then they all kind of looked around and my oldest is like, that's so funny. Well, it's like they were like, we're not done. You know, we still want you. We still want that. And and it's this cute little, you know, kids Halloween book. And they all, all wanted to be with me and to read that. And I thought, oh, I need to do that more often and to just 
form those connections. And it's hard right now with my 12 year old. I'm noticing he'll be 13 in December. Just, you know, the attitude, the tween stuff. Mm -hmm. I love you. And they won't say it back. And I feel like the dad on Spider-Man that's like, you have to say it back. Say I love you. And I'm like, can't take him out the door. Like, I love you. He's like, well, I have one of those too. So I get it. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, and just, you know, the little grumpies sometimes. And I'm like, oh, this is challenging now. And how can I connect with you? And it's funny that just me, just being with him totally helps like just not doing anything just being in the same room as he's doing his homework and making dinner and little questions or but if I'm like sure get on your computer like you're being grumpy and I don't want to deal with you isolate it's like it it's like it encases the problem it creates just even that more of a hard shell around him where it's even harder than to break through and get to him Mm. and I've noticed I love it in your bio where you say you love spending times out time outdoors as a family in Oregon oh my gosh it's most beautiful place to be outdoors. Utah's pretty awesome. Yeah, Utah's awesome. Amazing. But we go on hikes as a family and we went on a hike and all my kids were crying. We hate it. We don't want to go. Yeah. We don't want every time. And we just put them in the cars. They're kicking and screaming like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You can hate it. But we're all like, and every single time there are no fights. Once we get on the trail, nobody argues, nobody complains. Everyone loves it. And then we'll get back in the car and the fight start up again. And it's okay. Right. But it's so interesting how I'm like, notice how, and I try to point it out when we're outside and we're being active and we're breathing in the air and we're as a family and we're away from all the distractions, look how happy we are. And the, oh, mom, you know, and I'm like, but just notice it's so interesting. So tell me some more of your healthy recharging besides hiking, or you mentioned you know, listening to music on your bed. I was taking notes. I wrote, read a book, do Legos, a puzzle. What are some things young kids can do that maybe if you are cooking dinner or something, you're like, oh, I can't sit down and read that book with you. I can't jump on the trampoline, but I know you need time away. What are some ideas for younger kids that could recharge? Yeah. So we still use books on CD. (laughs) And in fact, my youngest had surgery on Friday and it's just so she just had a hole in her eardrum and had it repaired oh. and everything went well and it was fine. Oh, but she kind of had to have some downtime all weekend. Yeah. And I know if we had a TV sitting out, that would have been an easy default. But yeah. I kind of went back to the things that I had to do when she was younger and really couldn't entertain herself. And so I got the CD player out. And actually, the Disney books on CD or on Amazon, they're not very expensive at all. I think they're like $6 a piece. So you probably have like 20 of those. And so she'll just sit and she's old enough. I mean, our kids all at like age three could switch out a CD. And I know it seems old school, but they can completely handle it on their own. So you can go do something else. And it's just something to kind of keep them company. So yeah, we do a lot of books on CD, Play-Doh. Like just, especially if you're making dinner in the kitchen, like getting out the Play-Doh and we always would get like plastic knives and chopsticks, like random things that to let them stab or cut the Play-Doh and like those sensory type activities are really beneficial for our younger kids. And they really like that. And then I think just having an outdoor space where your little kids can play, we have kind of an outdoor kitchen out there. So they can go out and they make mud pies and do all kinds of stuff like having a place in your yard that's not necessarily 
super manicured and nice, but there's actually dirt that your kids can dig. We've always had that. Like even if you have a garden, like leave a spot that's not planted where the kids can go out and dig and get dirty. That's always been really beneficial for our kids. I just think it's like, I mean, like you were saying, being, being outdoors works wonders. Yes. But I think we think, oh, we have to be there to to run a structured activity, like a hike or whatever. And those are fun. But yeah, like you said, there's times as a parent when you can't be right there. Yeah. So giving them a spot. And with little boys, like we always had those the dump trucks. That was really great. And I always would keep surprises in my closet too. And I still do that for my younger kids. But it's like things like Mad Libs or like a paint book or whatever, just keeping little surprises so that you have a day where you're going to pull your hair out and you feel like this is when I just will turn the TV, would love to turn the TV on or a yeah. show or something for two hours. Oh, I've got like these things that I can just kind of pull out out of your magic hat. It's like Mary Poppins, you know. That is a great idea. Little gas yeah. or nicky nacky things that they can get excited about. That is yeah. a great idea. Yeah. And I think every family has their defaults, but like we love games and puzzles. We always have a puzzle sitting out. Awesome. Just, in fact, last night, my 12 year old, that's what she was doing. I posted it on my Instagram, but I, it was like eight o'clock at night and I think she was done with her homework and she was just tired. And I looked over and she was just sitting there doing the puzzle and it was this Sandra Boynton puzzle. So it's kind of silly and fun. It had cows and I thought, oh, she's 12 and she's sitting there doing a puzzle. Yes, I love that so much. Are there, do you do like intricate puzzles too? Like ones that are like a thousand piece or do you try to keep them more simple that all your kids could put pieces in? And yeah, we haven't gotten too carried away. We've had a few that are a little bit harder, but I would say they're somewhere in between where kind of everybody can just jump in and then they're not out for like months. Yes. I find if we get the really hard ones, then... People start to kind of lose steam. We might yeah. work up to that, but I don't know. This piece is, this one's probably like 500. I mean, it's pretty decent size, but yeah, I think just having stuff like that out and available. So, and we have a, a kind of a small house. So, I mean, we're all, we spend a lot of time together, but we do have a list on our website. If you go to the very top, it's 100 plus screen-free activities. And it's just a free download at the very top. And it actually has stuff for teens and for kids. And it's called When You Want to Do Nothing because I wanted something. I felt like a lot of the screen-free activities were very parent-heavy, like a parent was going to have to be super involved. And I just wanted something where, like, parents could just, here's the ideas, go ahead, kids. I mean, you kind of have to prepare the environment. Like you might need to buy some puzzles and buy some books on CD and things. But you, once you have those things there, then there are things that kids can do by themselves. So. And which is so awesome that you can say, here you go. Look at this. And again, it's betterscreentime.com. And if you just click on the, for people that are listening, you know, the, on the menu, the three, it says start here. Then there's three little dots. You click down on it and it's the 100 activity mm -hmm. you can do and it's the your book creating a tech healthy family and how what is the book compared to the guide is the guide in the book too or is that separate from the book or does it include some of the same things yeah so they're this they're one and the same the book what I call it the discussion guide but it's a book too say it's a book too oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. okay so the book yeah. or discussion guide is the same the creating a tech healthy yeah family. and how long is that book about I'll show it to you well okay. it's not very long awesome and so people can read it without feeling like, oh, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time to 
figure this out. Yeah, exactly. So it looks like it's 85 pages, but that's including like lots of pages for notes. Oh, so it looks like this and it's like this thick. Oh, yeah, that's I know people are listening. They can't see that. but It looks just like a workbook and the font is pretty big. So it really is just like, oh, sit down and get out some ice cream and talk to your kids about this. It gives you all the questions to ask your kids. And I think one of the biggest benefits of doing it is that you will come up with a family tech plan. And yes. that's something that I really, I used to think was like a nice thing to do. And now I know it's essential. Necessity. But I, from my necessity. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, well, where do parents start? Because there were a lot of guides out there, but I, I think like every family is so different. For example, I never think that's really normal to put the TV in the closet. <laughs> so I'm not recommending that necessarily right. using it as example. And so I'm giving it parents the framework that they can like look at their own tech and decide, yes. like, oh, this is how, where we are going to use it. What are we going to do on it? How long? And, you know, kind of back to your question about how long is too long. I, I always tell parents too to pay attention to your kids. Yeah, like their behavior, like once their mood or their behavior starts to drop or they're yep. or they're mean, that's your signal that it's too much time. So that yep. it, then you scale back the next time. That is great advice. Well, and for sure, I noticed that. And we always tell our boys, see, your brain's melting, your brain's melting. And they're like, <laughs> it's not really. And we're like, oh, we have science to prove it's not melting inside, but you're it's slowing down. It's not yeah. trying. like this is a scientifically proven thing if you spend too much time screen time but and for us like I'm thinking about oh our tv's mounted to our wall but even just hiding the remotes you know or not even hiding but just saying I get the remotes until you know five o'clock at night while I'm making dinner you can all watch the 30 minute show or because my kids do that speaking of the habits and I love atomic habits I'm actually reading it right now and for my boys they'll wake up at like 6 30 in the morning and they come downstairs and they flip on the TV before I'm even awake. And I'll come out sometimes. I'm like, how long have you guys been awake? And they'll just before school, they'll watch, a, yeah. you know, a little bit. For, and then they'll get ready. And I hate it, though, because I feel like they start out their day being vegetables and being. And it's nice because we're all tired and it, it's kind of slow going. It's like, oh, yeah, turn on a show. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, but how what else could you do if we weren't watching shows in the morning? How better could you spend your t- time and maybe finish that homework that you didn't do last night and you know just make yeah. your that you always forget that I'm bringing you or you know like yeah. that <laughs> totally yeah and I think it just starts with the conversation where it's you're not like shaming anyone or yes. oh this is so bad but right we do better I bet we could do better and I talk to parents and I talk about this a lot is just what are the bookends to your day? How do you, I think how we start and end our day is so important. And I really advocate for being screen-free for both of those times. Now, that being said, I quite often start my day with a workout and I do use my phone to do the workout, but I try really hard to not get on social media or check my email. And I will check texts because sometimes those are the more pressing things. But just thinking, okay, how do I start my day? And then ending your day with relationships instead of with a screen. And so we don't take screens in our bedrooms at all. And we started doing that like three years ago. And I just noticed that I was talking to my husband a lot more at night. There was no 
trying to get a work deadline done on my laptop in the bed or scrolling Instagram or whatever. Yeah, we all have different habits. And so I think just thinking about how can I preserve those relationships and preserve those certain times a day. Yes, I'm screen free. Yeah, I'm starting it. So what are suggestions for starting the day with kids if they're if they are early risers like my kids are? And I am not, by the way, but all my kids somehow got the early bird gene and they're always up so early. And I'm like, why are you up? School doesn't our school does not start till 915 for my elementary school kids. Oh, they yeah, that's late. 630 and seven. And I'm like, you have two hours. What are we and I'll like make them a breakfast and, and get dressed. And I'm like, you still have an hour. So what are some things they could do in the morning? Yeah. So I would have that conversation with your kids and make a list together. And I think that's so powerful because then they get buy in. But again, like games, puzzles, books, like my kids love to read piano. My kids will practice the piano. Yeah. Oh, that's like, a good piano thing. Time. I think thinking about what are those things that maybe I don't want to do later in the day and can I get them done now? And I think like how even like playing the piano, that's really just igniting all that stuff in their brain. Like, yeah, it's so good for them. So I think like thinking about their own personal hobbies. I have a daughter that plays violin. Like, can you practice violin in the morning? And if everybody's kind of up and going, it's not a problem. We do have a piano that has headphones. Yeah. So sometimes they can put those on to practice without disturbing anybody. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like thinking, returning to those hobbies and get like just getting stuff done or relaxing with a book or something. Yeah. And then saving it till the end. And I know with my middle schoolers, they're my last ones to leave. As my oldest goes to an early morning seminary class. So she's gone early. And then our youngest kids actually start school super early. They're out the door at like 645. <laughs> yeah. It's like the polar opposite of yours. Oh, and my goodness. Yes. Bizarre. So we have more of our dead time after school what time do they get home they get done at like 205 oh yeah and mine are 330 so they're not home till 345 yeah so our so I think it's just like thinking about what are those dead times a day and yes we do instead but I think morning is hard because you can't really have a play date like we'll do play dates or have friends over right. or something after school but right yeah just deciding ahead of time and then maybe Friday you let everybody watch tv Friday morning or something or you can all decide as a family it, I don't think it has to be all or nothing. Yes. But having a routine is really helpful so that it just isn't the default all the time, I think. And is there a weaning process? Like if we have this conversation, because I thought this would be such a great thing to do at dinner time, and every night we take a discussion from the book, the workbook that you have, and we talk about, okay, how can we have a better tech, healthy family and take suggestions, you know, from the book. But what if it's, do you recommend, okay, take everything away and cold turkey and, you know, or is there like a weaning process for families like mine that maybe have had more tech and more computer and more screen time that isn't like, okay, now our life is completely different. How would you recommend implementing this? Yeah, I think that every family and every personality is different. A lot of times parents with really young kids, like let's say ages five and under, I usually tell them to go cold turkey because- for sure. You're the parent and you're in charge. Yes. And I just tell them it's going to be harder for you than it will be for sure. kids. And so, I, but with older kids, I think that we have to be really careful that we're not 
pushing so far the other way that we're becoming super controlling. Yeah. And that is the challenge there where I still sometimes hear people go say like, you're still the parent, you're still in charge. And I, that's true. But as, and my background is in secondary ed, so like adolescence, but with older kids, they really need to have ownership in the process or you are, and it's some pushback is okay. And I have learned that, but you can, we can push so far that then our kids are feeling very controlled. And so I would just ask your kids, what do you guys think? Do you guys think we could just try this for a week, like go cold turkey and do some other things? And then let's like come back together and see how it went and how should we move forward. And I think that's also helpful because you're kind of giving everybody a chance to try it out yeah. instead of being like, we're committed to this for life. Yes. <laughs> and we did go well. Too bad. Yes. <laughs> but like, could we try for a week? kind of going cold turkey and like, let's make a list and maybe even have a week of prep time where you are like almost gathering supplies and you're gathering like lists, maybe new piano music or I don't, I know that you're really into music. So that's one thing that keeps coming to my mind, but whatever your kids really love. Yeah. Is there something, some other resources that you could gather and get ready? And then the next week you are like, okay, we're only going to use tech for this or that. And we actually have a seven day screen free challenge as well available. I'll have to send you that link because I don't think it's right on our website. Oh, I love that. I have a private podcast that goes with it. And so every day as a parent, you get kind of a little motivational something from me and your podcast. That sounds But then I give you like a theme each day, like today we're going to get out in nature or today we're going to do service, like we're going to go do something. And I make the point that like, even if you spend just 10 minutes less every day on tech, so like seven days a week, that gives you over an hour to go do something nice for somebody. (laughs) Because I think how often do we say like, oh, I don't have time to go serve or go do something nice for my neighbor or whatever, but it's just like 10 minutes less every day of tech. That gives you over an hour to like make some cookies and go drop them off. And that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we kind of have a theme for every day. So that's something that could be helpful for you or anyone. I would love to look into that. I think that's yeah. awesome. But yeah, I think work with your kids and let them be kind of your guiding voice. They'll help you. <laughs> that's awesome advice. And I love that it's all catered toward your family and what your family needs. There's not a one size fits all. It's true. No, every yeah. family is different. Every family dynamic, every kid is different and we'll handle it. Yeah, once. My older one will maybe respond different than my younger ones that, you know, one of them cares more than the other. Have you ever had a parent come back and been like, that was a complete disaster. It was awful. <laughs> or is it mostly actually that was really great. And now we are able to implement these changes long-term. Yeah, sometimes parents will just say it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And I think it depends on how entrenched the family is in tech. And like you said, it also really very ages make a huge difference. Like older kids where they can maybe get some, a little bit more pushback. But yeah. I haven't had, we just released it in June. I haven't had anyone say it was a complete disaster yet. So it's working. Yeah, I think it's working. And I've had some people say, yeah, it was, a, you know, it worked great for us. And again, results will be different for every family. But I think if you give it like your full effort, you're going to see, you will definitely see some good results from it. Well, I am so excited to try that challenge with my family. I would love to do, I think that's a great idea to do the week challenge. 
And to start off with the book, here's what we're going to do and get them involved and excited about it. So they're, they know what's coming. It's not just, they wake up one day. It's like, no more TV, you know? Yeah. It's all gone forever. Yeah. Um, and I think, Andrea, you are doing so much good with this better springtime with the program, with all of the tips for parents, because it really is a tech world that we live in. Our kids are going to have to learn how to self-monitor and how to deal with this and how to make good choices on their own. Because even no matter what we do as parents, they're going to move out eventually and they're going to have to make these decisions. And I think this is such a great way to have a solid foundation that they'll be able to recognize Oh, yeah. When I was growing up, my parents didn't allow a lot of screen time and I noticed I was happier. I noticed I was more productive and they may get to college and binge on stuff for a while and then hopefully feel sick about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and be like, oh, wow. And that's what my parents, we had a strict, really strict curfew and strict bedtime growing up. And I always been a night owl. When I got to college, I would stay out so late like really late it's like the morning hours late wow all right just because I could it was like now I can I now could and now I can and it was awful like after a while I'm like my grades are suffering I'm a bad friend I'm tired and that that freedom of I can do it quickly wore off to oh maybe what my parents were saying was right so I think this for parents that are listening, like, oh, but it's so hard. I've already gotten my kids a smartphone for Christmas or I'm planning on getting them one this year, whatever it is that we can take the time to really realize what our family needs and 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 what they want. And that even if it's hard in the short term, long term, it's going to pay great dividends for a really happy family and for healthy kids that can self-monitor. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I totally agree. Really quick, tell us the website again, the name of your book again, and where people can go if they want to learn more about how to get involved with your programs or, you know, just be more educated on filters. On your Instagram, you talk about internet filters and routers and things like that. So where can people go to learn more? Yes. So our website, betterscreentime.com. And then we're also on Instagram, betterscreentime and Facebook. We're more definitely more prevalent on Instagram. Okay. And then we have our two courses, Untangling Teens in Tech. And that's really for parents of like ages 12 to 17. And we're just kind of helping you strengthen that relationship with your teenager, but also create some tech boundaries that you can both live with. So it's kind of, it's a different approach than what I've seen other places. I primarily want to help you strengthen that relationship with your teen. And then the second one is, well, creating a tech healthy family. It's actually like our primary course. Again, that's for really the whole family, but I would say it's most effective about ages five through 13. Okay. Kind of still trying to form a family tech plan and have some ground rules. And I'm actually rewriting that whole course right now and should be ready next month. Fingers crossed. Oh, awesome. So we even by the time you're listening to this podcast in a couple of weeks, maybe it'll be ready. If not, you know, later this year or next year for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing for families and helping them navigate this crazy tech world. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. 
If you'd like to hear more from Carmen and get brand new full-length talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers like John By the Way, Meg Johnson, and Hank Smith, you can exclusively inside our Turtle House. And when you join today, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode next week. Mm-hmm.